Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're here in Manila, Philippines, and we're still doing an interview series with uh, different world travelers, internet marketers, entrepreneurs, and book authors. And one of the things that we love to do is feature fellow Canadians, fellow British Columbians, fellow Vancouverites, fellow authors. And I have a friend of mine who I know from Vancouver, BC, Canada. We were both involved with a group that I started called YVR Authors. And uh, shout out to our friend uh, Melody Owen because she's taken it over and she's done a phenomenal job and it's still running even though I haven't been in Vancouver for a year and a half. So um, we, we met there in person. We've also met at uh, uh, some travel uh, meetups, uh, British Columbia Association of Travel Writers. So uh, it's always a joy and an honor to actually interview someone that I know in person. And uh, our guest today, her name is Marilyn Wilson, and she's a two-time Amazon best-selling author. Uh, she has a great book called Life Outside the Box, The Extraordinary Journeys of Ten unique individuals, and she, she just recently released her second book called The Wisdom of Listening, Piece of Gold from a Decade, I repeat, a Decade of Interviewing and Life. Uh, she's a book reviewer, uh, she does book tours, um, she's also doing author support, and much, much, much more. Uh, we're going to be primarily focused on this whole area of, uh, you know, if you're, if you're interested in interviewing and being a better listener, and also her books, you're in for a treat on this episode. So, Marilyn, how are you doing over there in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada today? I laugh. I'm doing great. We finally had two weeks of super hot weather, and believe it or not, I got cast day. So, I'm I'm actually as soon as we're done, gonna go out and breathe the air. <laughs> Yes, for those of you who don't know, in the Pacific Northwest, you get a little bit, just a little bit of cloud and uh, rain. Uh, it might last for like a few months of the year, but when you get the sun, the blue skies, you got to enjoy it because it doesn't last long enough, uh, speaking from experience. Uh, so, Marilyn, yeah. one of the things we love to do on a show is to get to know our guests. So, why don't you share a little bit of yourself and your backstory for all the people listening and watching here today? I always love sharing my story and I ended up moving to Canada when I got married and stay having three kids and three to do this I've been working since I was 17 and on my own I ended up unsurprisingly a stay-at-home mom I, uh, after 15 years, my kids didn't need me and I was trying to figure out what to do with myself again. And I ended up going in an online writers. So I submitted three stories and was accepting, thinking how hard can this be knowing nothing about my clothes were from discount stores and I was launched into a decade of interviewing and from the first interview, I'm very curious. From my first interview, I spent two hours with Goosebumps. I went, this is what I wanted to do. So then I had to learn how to produce a product because unless I produced a product, nobody would interview with me. So I ended up within uh, nine months 
actually running a mag co-running a local magazine where we covered people working in our fashion industry not fashion but the people working in the industry and I started a series of books uh, sharing these interviews so I could share stories more in depth so it's really been incredible I, I have a a lot of self-esteem issues, listening to people share their stories and embrace their lives. And I have to say this three times, without apology, without apology, without apology. Watching people, I've got goosebumps even saying that, watching people choose a life and living it and embracing it no matter what the people around them said is absolutely inspiring. And if I could pass anything on, the biggest thing I learned is you never know who's going to give you that next little bit at the uh, museum you're walking into. It could be the person in front of you at, at the coffee shop or the grocery store. I have learned every time I go out to talk to people, whether I'm interviewing or not, I'm always searching for that next bit of wisdom that the universe has brought into my life. I tell people it hasn't been, there's been tears and collapsing on the floor. It's been really hard to learn in the public eye. But I am telling you, it's such a gift to listen to people tell their stories. I mean, you, you've got a great story too. We will yet interview. Um, but it's, it's happy or sad, good or bad, high or low, important to share. And I have come to, this is an oldie but goodie I'm bringing out for you. Uh, it's the stories of real people living real lives that will define our generation. We hear the stories of celebrities and reality stars, and we hear this, and what we've lost, that tribal folklore, the passing down of real stories of real people. So I consider what I do giving people stories wings. I, I'm very blessed to have this. Um, I'm not a best... You know, like financially going off the top of the charts, but I think what I do is important and I'm making a real story at a time. It is very inspiring the work you're doing. I, um, I'm very similar to you in the sense I love showcasing and highlighting. I don't want to say average people's stories, but extraordinary people's stories, because I really believe that every story, every individual is extraordinary. We just haven't heard it yet. And I'm up to 480 episodes on my podcast, and people always ask me, Ricky, why do you do so many interviews? And I'm like, it is so inspiring to hear individual stories, to uh, get their wisdom, their insights, their expertise, because every person has a unique way, a paradigm, a perspective of looking at life. And if I can even get a piece of that, I have become much wiser. So that's why I keep interviewing people too. So we're definitely kindred spirits there, Marilyn. Uh, so tell us about some Absolutely. skills, uh, because, um, you know, you've obviously done a lot of interviews, so have I. There might be some of our guests and listeners um, who haven't started the interviews either on YouTube or podcasts or written any interviews or blog post interviews. Uh, so regardless of the interviews, what would you say are some good skills of an interviewer? I think it's really individual. My style of interviewing is very different from most people. People try to not know very much about the person I'm interviewing. And I walk in and I start with four questions and let's see on the spur of the moment. Uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? What were you like as a young child? And looking back, can you see any story 
indicated you would come to this point in life and embrace this career. And the interesting part of that, it gets people talking about themselves and from be a gift, I can listen and think ahead at the same time because what I want them to do is lead the interview. And I don't. Uh, so I am always listening. I am always trying to hear that one little comment and lead me through their life. I tend to do a very biographical beginning to where they are now just as a format, but in terms of what they're doing, because I find that they want to share their story and they lead me. And then every once so after all these years, I do usually have a list of questions because I take them through their life. I can kind of get there anyways. But most people I know have set questions or set directions, and I try not to do that because what I want is their life story, and I don't know it well enough to know what to ask. Um, I've, I've had tears with people in interviews. We've had hugs and laughter. We've had because they, they know so they, if something turns out to be too personal, I'll take it out if they ask. So because of and, and raw interviews with people, and that's why I don't do video actually at this point very often because it's those deep moments I live for. Uh, have you found your life changed because of it? Have you grown and changed because of what people? I've changed yeah absolutely you know like uh, when you listen to people's stories it definitely changes you as well and uh, you know uh, what you're saying is totally true when you're in person I've done a lot of in-person interviews as well there's a whole different level of connection uh, you can look the person in the eye you can feel their their their, their breath and you can um, you can understand the person much more than you can on video or audio or Skype or Zoom or Google Hangout on the phone but hey you know we live in a day and age of technology and it's of course hard for me to fly from Manila to Vancouver to the <laughs> so we have to do what we can then uh, you know obviously technology is amazing because it allows this kind of connection and these kind of interviews uh, Marilyn I'm, I'm curious to know about listening uh, because that's a common theme in um, your work uh, as an interviewer you got to listen you got to absorb uh, tell us about some skills for being a good listener in life but of course as an interviewer <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh because I'm ADD, and listening is probably the hardest thing in the world for me to learn. Fortunately, it's gotten a little easier with age and with practice, but when I started out, I recorded all my interviews on a digital recorder, and every once in a while, Marilyn, <laughs> you know, I found myself getting so caught up in the interview that it became about sharing information. There are times you need to listen. There are times you need to share. Um, it's a skill you learn. If you're like me, if you struggle with that, it's a skill you learn. Um, I'm going through a, I need to relearn the skill phase right now. I don't know why, but it's, it's been, but you need to breathe and you need to stop and you need to quiet your mind and let your heart speak and let it lead you. And some, for some of us that, 
that's a constant battle that we work on all the time. So it, it is for me and I go through phases it's easier and phases it's harder. And the recorder interview if I got caught up in my own thoughts and, and talk too much. So it's a, it's a, a hum, my humility tool. Your heart tells you when to listen and when to share because you have wisdom to share as well. They have wisdom to give to you. Um, one of the most profound moments for me, uh, one of many, was I was listening to a speaker series and the lady took the stage and said, do you see what I see? And so many interviews, what I see is a room full of stories, a room full of wisdom. And the vision with her pockets full of gold waiting to share. And every time I walk into a room now, I have to slow myself when I should listen to and it's very heart-led but it's it's not easy it's a like like all things it takes practice and skill definitely for, for most of us listening doesn't come naturally my wife will tell you this but Ricky you got to listen better and hopefully you know by being a podcast host I'm able to develop the skills so I can apply it to my wife to my marriage to my parenting to my work to my business etc so it's definitely one of life's most important skills to be a good listener. Uh, so you actually listen, you do your interviews, you listen, and then you compile all the wisdom and you put it into book form. That, my friend, is a difficult journey. How do you do that? Because you've learned a lot. How do you compress it down and share the nuggets, the nuggets of gold? Uh, my first book, as you know, really was an expansion of what I've been doing with magazines. Um, initially, my writing was an opening, a bit of their background, what they were doing now, and a closing. And I felt so much of their story that was important biographies. And in writing that out, what you have to do is go through your transcript and into the paper and then go back and turn it into a story. Um, my choice is, and my voice as a writer is to try to tell that story as if I'm sitting across the table from you talking. I interviewed so-and-so last week and here's what happened. And, and then you turn it into third person, but it starts by picking you because that's probably what you're supposed to write about. Um, when it came to my second book, which I, to share this, my journey and all the things I've learned on it and how it's changed my life. So it's filled with pieces of gold. Um, idea came and I walked down to my computer and it literally poured out of me. I couldn't stop. Chaos to edit because when a book pullers out of you that way, it's not easy. Um, so I've done two kinds of writing and one when they're my thought up with it, a piece of gold, an idea that somebody shared with me. I wrote it down as a chapter title. And, but my other books are people stories and it's told third person. So that takes a lot more work. It's very technical writing. You interview, you transcribe, then you go through it and pick the amazing parts and put them onto paper. And then you go through and turn it into a story. So, so I've done both kinds of writing. 
they each is different. And I think most people will find that what the kind of writing that you do dictates how you need to move through it. So Marilyn, I'm curious to know, whenever I get a guest on the show, who is an author, you're a two-time Amazon bestselling author, you've done all these interviews, you've compiled it down, you've finished your books. I'd love to know what tips you would give to our listeners, our viewers, who haven't published a book yet, but they have the idea in their mind. They feel more overwhelmed, they don't know where to start. So what advice, what wisdom, what suggestions would you give that person who's waiting and wanting to write their first book? I took a, a weekend workshop that laid out my book, laid out title, subtitle, chapter titles. There's retreats are good, courses are good. If you're somebody who's really organized, this is not who I'm talking to. If you're like me, you procrastinate, you're ADD, you're always looking for the shiny, shiny new thing to project to, um, it really takes some outside help. Um, I should have written my six months took me 18. Um, I had a publisher. It got to the point that I had one of the people who worked for my publisher emailed me every Sunday saying, what did you finish this week? It was an accountability thing. I also surrounded myself with supportive people. And if I was really struggling, I reached out to them. And so for me, it was support. It was, it was taking a weekend course where I could lay out the book. Suddenly it felt of it and what was going to happen in it and then after that it was constantly getting support um the other trick i learned that i am in the on uh, i reviewed on writers helping writers that were stuck and the biggest thing they said is find out your most energetic your most productive moments of the day and don't spend it on social media and don't spend it having your morning coffee. Find out your work in that slot. And then before or after that, go on to your other work. Um, because I ran a magazine for so many years, I get up, I get back where my email, I do my social media. And afterwards, I don't bring my best self to writing. And so that book kind of said, you need to get up. Your most productive is your first two hours. Whether you write one word in one sentence or five chapters, you need to put your work into your most productive time and then do your other work. Um, and so it's, it's changing eight years of schedule to make my writing more productive. And it's been a a rough change but it I think that's a good one so so something to get you started that helps you clarify your book so you clearly know what you're doing whatever that is um, it could be private one-on-one -on -one with somebody it could be a class a, a weekend workshop a retreat you need something to help you get clarity on what you're writing second is a good support group they use your best mentally sharp time for your work first before anything else. And that's not easy if you're, like I'm retired now, my kids are grown. It's not easy when you've got small kids. 
But your tips actually uh, definitely rock solid there. I totally agree with the public accountability. Either hire someone personally, uh, join a, a book writer circle. Uh, they have like weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings. Uh, do a weekend, um, maybe get away into the woods or uh, onto the beach or on the lakeshore and get into the zone. And you know, you mentioned also about the optimal writing times or your optimal energy. Some people are morning early birds, some people are night owls, uh, some people are afternoon squirrels or whatever the term is for afternoon people, right? So yeah. great, great advice and tips there, Marilyn. Uh, so you've published the books, but you got to actually market them, uh, sell them, monetize them. So you've become a two-time Amazon bestselling author. Tell us about your strategies in terms of once the book's out there, how do you market it? And then how do you monetize it? And how do you continually to keep sales consistent? Um, that's always a challenge. That's something I'm still working on. And I do author support for a publisher because the market is always changing. Um, I was quite shocked. I kept thinking if I could just get on national television, I'd, I'd have a bestseller. I mean, I'd, I'd have it made. And I actually read several things that, that they lose money in all those celebrity books. They lose money on all of them. So um, I think you have to know your audience. I think you have to chip away. Little podcasts are great. Um, Amazon bestseller uh, takes real focus. So driving your initial sales from your, the people you know will buy your book on one day really helps you get out and when algorithms work in your favor. Your book appears and searches more often once you've hit those charts. So um, I'm actually I'm beginning to feel because I travel, because I work with a company in Australia, and I'm, I'm beginning to have a, a Really focus on the ebooks. Um, what people don't understand about ebooks is you can take 20 with you on holiday. I read 15 books every time I'm on holiday. I read about seven or eight a week. Um, but they're also a great eco choice. Um, millions and millions. So um, I want to, I think my focus and my marketing is going to shift in the next year to digital, to international, and to focus on, on ebooks. And so I'm just starting to take some courses on that. This, this interview is a little early for that um, because I'm finding, even from a financial perspective, that the print-on-demand books are quite expensive. And I have people in, in Australia that want to buy books, but they're double the price there and double the shipping costs. Like it, it might make it to them. So I'm in the process of changing my marketing, and I'm not quite sure where I'm going with that. In terms of print books, I'm going to keep that much more local and ones that I can sell. I'm stepping away from um, bookstores unless they're independents that I can deal with directly because too many books don't sell them. So my focus for print books is going to be very, very local or as I travel, very, very person to person. Where And I'm hoping these courses I'm signing up for will come up with some great ideas. And if so, I'll pass them on to you you can put them out the future of, of books in some ways we buy we will buy the books we want to keep long term sign books in print but for our other books we will move to digital because like you you're traveling you cannot take a hundred books with you 
access to them anywhere and you can have hundreds of books with you. And to me, as, a, as an avid reader, I love having hundreds of books at my fingertips. Um, yeah, so I'm just in the process of changing that over and we'll see where it goes in the next year. This is the focus for, for the next 12 months for me. It definitely makes sense to uh, adapt to that shift, the shift from print to digital in every medium, newspapers, magazines, TV, radio, it's all switching to digital, right? Uh, you know, TV switching to YouTube, radio switching to podcasts, newspaper magazines to blogs, print books to digital eBooks. So definitely the shift is happening. So you're definitely ahead of the game by taking courses on it and, uh, uh, you know, uh, focusing on that. And of course, don't, don't neglect the, the print book because there's, there's something powerful about having a print book, having it, you know, the feel in your hands, and like you said, the, the signature. Um, so it's definitely important to have both of those things, uh, print and digital. So Marilyn, curious to know about your future vision for your books. Uh, so you already have two done, you're planning a few more. So tell us a little bit about those ideas that are, that are spring inside your mind. You've just released a second one. Tell us about your future vision for your life, your business, and of course for your books. I, I'm uh, always had an interesting journey and every four years I change jobs. I have been doing this one for 11 and a half half years now, albeit half of it was working as a magazine owner and submitting internationally as well. So I've been doing this since about 2014. So I keep wondering how long will I continue to do what I'm doing. I have about, uh, let me think, I have Life Outside the Box 2 that's already set, Life Outside the Box 3 I would like to do because I have about half the interviews available for that one. So that is meant to be a series. In the end, if I can get that brand established, I think I will continue it as submissions from people. Um, I think it's very valid. I, I really like people telling their stories. And so I'm hoping over the next three or four years, I can build that into a brand that can continue, continue with me as editor and submissions from people book. I'm also finding for most people, a biography about 5,000 words is enough. You get enough of the story, a very readable format for people, uh, simply because they can read one chapter and they're done. And if they don't get back to it for four weeks, it's okay. It's like picking. Would like to do one themed along fashion simply because I've had some incredible interviews with people in fashion that do different things. Like they found they're they're in South America. There's some really wonderful stories there. I do want to do one that's going to be half submission and half interview that's celebrating sexual diversity. Spin on that, and one other one that kind of came to mind lately is I would love to inspire them, like they could tell the story of their mother, their father, their somebody, a teacher, or something. So that going around too but I think it eventually my writing will become a little less and I will become more of an editor to help people's stories because it's it's stretching farther interviews the kind of interviews I want to do and I find people I've actually even on my blog gone to Q, email Q&A's because they're answers in their own words and I'm feeling them more. I don't want to rewrite it in my my voice and and they've been very well received. 
not that I won't write, but I think I'm going to focus as I establish these brands on allowing people to submit to me as well and do some editing and help people get their own personal voice out there, give wings to their personal voices. But it is always going to be about telling stories for me and sharing these stories. There will known but I always want at least one person that has no website that has no I want to let people know how important those everyday stories are that the courage to get out of bed every day for some people is as much as being a war hero that that everybody has something to offer us and so that will continue to be but I always wonder if one day I'll turn around and say okay I'm done writing what's next because I believe it's okay to change directions. I might go to simply video interviews. I might go a whole new direction and become an artist. I, my future is wide open. I don't care what age I am. I, I the, the, um, just say, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to do this now. And as long as I feel led to do what I'm doing, I will, but I don't picture myself at 90 still doing this so what does that mean and what's next and how long will I do what I'm doing and how can it continue when I'm ready to step down from the role I have now and so that submissions I look forward to definitely uh, following the journey ahead uh, you know uh, reading the upcoming <laughs> books and uh, definitely wishing the best with these two books and the ones uh, uh, to come uh, so Marilyn, if people wanted to connect with you uh, re uh, regarding maybe asking you further questions, getting some support as a, um, maybe getting some coaching on writing and publishing, and of course, if they want to buy your books, what's your website, social media, and how can they connect with you? This is super easy. My website is MarilynRWilson.com. And on there, there's a tab that takes you to where you can buy books if you're in the U.S., if, if you're in Canada, if you want to order a copy from me that's signed. I'm also on Facebook. I have a page there, Marilyn R. Wilson. I'm on Instagram, Marilyn R. Wilson. So it's all there. Uh, my blog is called Oleo by Marilyn. It was started long become anything. It was going to be my repository for the writing nobody read. And so it's grown to be more than that. So there is a tab on my website to that so you don't have to remember it. So it's uh, Marilyn R. Wilson and simply because there's a bunch of Marilyn Wilsons out there and a few are authors. So it was my way of setting myself up. It has a fabulous story. I um, had a commissioned a piece that didn't work and I spent all the artist websites and came across a, a artist in Poland who had done a watercolor and I bought the rights to adapt it to my cover. And it's a woman listening. The one uh, wisdom of listening books out there, but if you search, you'll see the original artwork on the cover. So it's very clear, which is mine. Beautiful, beautiful. I'll have those links. And, and thank you for this, Ricky. I so wish you'd come to I want you to come to Vancouver just for a couple weeks for a visit so we can interview face-to-face. -face. I would really like that. I only met you a couple months before you took off on your world, world exploration. Well, you know, my parents are in Vancouver. Uh, a lot of my closest friends are in Vancouver. We have a guest room. <laughs> oh, there you go. Guest room, guest room. Get the thumbs up. So I look we forward. We have a guest room. <laughs> I look forward to crashing at it's your It's got plane. your name on it. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that offer. Thank you.
and giving me two hours of your time. Those two hours for gold. <laughs> Those two hours are yours, Marilyn. Uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, credit for the future. Rain check. Yes. Yes. Rain check. And thank you. All righty, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, definitely follow Marilyn along. Grab a copy of those uh, couple of books. I had a chance to get the physical copy of the first one and the digital copy of the second one. Both amazing books, and I highly recommend uh, connecting with Marilyn for any questions regarding to do with writing, uh, publishing, authorship, and more. And make sure you connect with us as well, DaddyBlogger.com. And we also have uh, several different books, uh, including our kids' book series. Uh, so if you have kids and if you love to travel, make sure you grab a copy of Exploring the Continents and uh, our book, kids' book series as well. So thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, everyone. And we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye.